0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the BusyDad.com podcast, a place for business dads to share advice, experiences, and stories of successes and failures as it relates to being a business owner, business professional, or an entrepreneur, all while still kicking ass in the dad game. We hope you like the show, and please subscribe to follow us to keep up with new episodes, and also be sure to check out BusyDad.com for merch, blogs, and much more. That's dot com. Cheers. All right. All right, everybody. Well, welcome to another episode of the BusyDad.com podcast, place where uh, dads get together. And we talk about our businesses and careers and successes and failures. And uh, today's, a, uh, today's a special show. Uh, I've got a couple local guys here in Mississippi that are going to be on with us today, and uh, they're very well respected in their own right, very successful, and uh, I'm, I'm eager to hear their stories and, uh, and what's going on new with them. So let me go ahead and make some introductions here. I've got Mr. Copey Grantham, who was actually the BusyDad.com podcast first guest uh, as, a, as Alderman Copey Grantham. Now he is a, a mayoral candidate for the city of Saltillo here in Mississippi, uh, very widely, uh, po- uh, very widely uh, respected and uh, ready to hear some more about that. We also have uh, State Senator Mr. Uh, Chad McMahon on with us. Uh, very, very well respected uh, State Senator here and uh, long successful career uh, in private business before he got into politics, so I'm sure he has lots to share with us as well. So, gentlemen, thank you for being on. I appreciate y'all being here.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Glad to, uh, glad to be here. Um, I was excited to be your first uh, trial run, and uh, <laughs> so I'm glad to be invited back. So uh, I assume I did a pretty good job. But thank you, Cody, for inviting us, and we're glad to be here.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And Chad, thank you for being here. I know you're uh, you're a busy man right now, so I appreciate you taking the time to come and talk to us.
2: Hey, I'm happy to be with you. Can you hear my mic okay?
0: Yes, sir. We hear you just fine.
2: Great. Yes, uh, this is a busy time of year. We're in session, but I appreciate the opportunity to be with you and Alderman Grantham. And uh, as you can see, I have the perfect face for radio. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, you me too. I got a, uh, I did a... Uh... I did a I did a podcast a couple months ago with a guy that's a, a very uh, well known graphic designer and a digital artist up in uh, I think he was in South Dakota and when we were doing this uh, I was telling him about how I was looking to expand some of our merchandise and come up with some new designs and ideas and he uh, he let me know that I had the perfect head for a microphone he's like I would love to Photoshop the shape of your head into a microphone. <laughs> I say, well, it's a good thing this is audio only then. That way I don't have to worry about that. Uh, well, uh, let us I've got a lot that I want to talk to because, uh, you know, Kopi and I are, are, are real close friends and, and we've done a lot of business together and things like that. Chad, you and I, we, we've traveled in a lot of the same circles uh, in our private careers. You have the same background as, as my current. Uh, career path with one of my business ventures before the politics side and then you and I have also traveled in some of the same circles you know on the the political uh, on the campaign trail so there's a lot I want to talk about so I just let's jump into this and, and Chad I want to start with you before sure. uh, you know let's 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 get to uh, let's talk about politically let's start there. Did you, what, where, what's your political upbringing, your political background? Uh, what uh, was the road, the path that you followed that led you to where you are now as as a state senator for the great state of Mississippi?
2: Well, my background is my family's very blue collar people. Uh, my, one of my grandfathers worked for the post office. The other worked for the telephone company. My dad owned his own cabinet business for years. My mother had her own successful Mary Kay business. So. We were very, very much uh, blue-collar, middle-income family, I would say. Maybe even lower, lower, uh, high-end, lower class uh, as far as income. But uh, I studied history in school, and I've always been interested in politics and history of uh, the United States and our republic. So, uh, you know, I'd been working for the same company for 23 years and then decided to uh, offer myself to the people in Guntown, Mississippi, and ran as an alderman. So... I served as an alderman for four years, and I'm serving my second term as a state senator.
0: So you started as a city alderman in Guntown. And have you always lived in Guntown, or, or are you previously from a different part of the state?
2: Cody, I was born and raised in Tupelo, Mississippi. I was born in the hospital there in Tupelo, so I represent the hospital I was born in and the high school and the school system I graduated from. I'm proud to be a Tupelonian.
0: Well that's awesome. I know a lot of uh I know uh, a lot of Tupelonians that that uh, they, they carry a very high opinion of you and you're very well respected in this area. And uh, and, and the reason I know that is as you talked about uh, you spent 23 years working in the private sector for the same company and uh, that was Great Southern. It was it Great Southern the whole time you worked there until yes, Russ was- until Ruskin bought them out.
2: Yes, I've worked for the same company for 23 years and then Three years ago, a, a, a private company bought us out called the Ruskin Corporation, headquartered out of Alabama, privately owned company. But I still represent their interests. So I've I've worked for the same uh, factory, the same manufacturing plant for 26 years. And now, uh,
0: uh, and Great quiet. Southern, Great Southern. That's uh, their home based out of Jackson. Is that correct?
2: Jackson, Mississippi. Okay, that's correct.
0: Awesome. So I know, and and a lot of our listeners that listen to our, our, to this podcast regularly, they know that, that I also work in in the packaging and logistics industry. And so I've, I've come across your name very, very often. And you're, you're really frequently known in the market as the box man. I mean, when, when you walk in somewhere and and they buy boxes that those are Chad McMahon's boxes. So talk about, let's, let's talk about how you got into the packaging business. What, what, appealed to you about getting into that industry uh, and, and just kind of how you turned into really, I mean, you, uh, Rus- Great Southern, which is now Ruskin. I mean, you guys are pretty much the premier uh, people in this area. I mean, just today, you know, with the company that I represent as an independent contractor, Ruskin is, is one of our uh, one of our manufacturers, and, I, and just today, I, I got a quote back on, on a customer that I'm working with your company on to, to quote. So talk about that and, and talk about your experiences and, and why you decided to make a 23 career out of, out of this, this industry.
2: Well, uh, when I graduated from college in 94, uh, it wasn't really the best time to be going into business. But I had a family member that uh, sent my resume to Great Southern, and they contacted me and, and actually asked me to come down and interview for a uh, an assistant plant manager's job. So uh, I went down to the plant, and I was sitting at this really long conference table with all these older gentlemen. And the owner of the company asked me. He said, uh, "He said, hey, we got your resume from someone. We want to talk to you about the box business." And he said, "Son, what do you know about the box business?" And with just a straight face sitting, I mean, there I was 21 years old with all these executive types. And I said, sir, hell, I know most of them's brown. And he started laughing. And uh, (laughs) we had a a really great interview together, uh, interviewing with those gentlemen. And when I left there that day, uh, I, I did not feel like I had a good interview, to be honest with you. And they called the next day and made me a job offer that I really couldn't refuse. But they they said that they thought I had a wonderful personality to go into sales. And so they hired me, I started the account. I started working there in May of 1995. And uh, I had, there were, I believe, 11 salesmen and I started with zero accounts and uh, zero income. And I worked my way up within eight years, I was the number one salesman in the entire company by the grace of God. Everything my hand has ever touched the Lord has blessed and I give him all the credit for that.
0: and I like to hear that you know humility goes a long way especially when you're working with the people and you' you're a solutions provider that's what I consider myself in the industry as a solutions provider and uh, and humility can go a long way and and you definitely carry uh, the reputation to back up the fact that, that you've had a very accomplished career uh, in this, in this area, uh, of business. And, uh, and it's one of the things, you know, uh, I'm very, I'm very new into this entrepreneurial, uh, uh, venture that I'm on. I've, I've only been doing this for a couple of years, but one of the things that I've learned is you kind of take on, you you learn who, who the game changers are and you learn who the big players are and you learn the people that you kind of silently aspire to. And, uh, and I learned very quickly that uh, most of my customers that I deal with, I don't really deal with a lot of boxes. You know, I'm not a big corrugated person. I do a lot of poly products and things like that. But my customers that are also your customers, all yes, they all have a very, very high regard of you and your professionalism and the way that you service your customers. So. Uh, I got to give you accolades on that. That you you're very widely respected, not just as a senator, but also in in your business and your in your career. Uh, you know,
2: I always found Cody the secret to business was help your customers be successful and always be honest with them, and you will be successful. And that's how I live my life uh, in in the packaging business. I, I I will share with you. I'm not boasting. I'm stating a fact. In in my industry. I, you know, I was a top producer in the southeastern United States, uh, selling well over a million dollars a month in corrugated, which is uh, that's strong.
0: That's that, strong. That's uh, a the, lot. The
2: average, yeah, the average carton salesman in the United States will sell about a quarter of a million dollars a month. That's twenty-five truckloads a month. And my my business was a million plus uh, uh, in sales, but like I said, it was because of. I helped my customers be successful. I wanted them to be successful and I always told them the truth. Even when it was bad news, I told them the truth so that they could plan for it. And that's how I built my business. My Abs- customers made me successful.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And to break this down to to some of our listeners that, that may not be familiar with, with this area of business, when, it, when, when Mr. Uh, Senator McMahon talks about uh, doing a million dollars of sales annually, Uh, We're talking about an industry. Oh, that was a month. month. Excuse me. Okay, okay, so a million dollars a month of sales. When you break this down, most corrugated products, which are boxes, most boxes, uh, the vast majority of them are priced under a dollar. So, I mean, that's more than a million boxes a month that that you've established as a portfolio in your career.
2: It was actually over 153-foot truckloads. Over a hundred a month. Now I like to say this in sales. Any salesman can sell something. I sold truckloads of empty boxes. And it's really <laughs> never been a better time, Cody, to be in the box business. No one saw what e-commerce was going to do for the box. Absolutely. It's not just the Amazons out there that are doing very well. It's individuals, it's the mom and pops that have small businesses, you know, they now have access to a worldwide market. And it's really incredible what's happened in the box business. It truly is.
0: Absolutely. And I, I, I couldn't agree with that more. Um, a lot of it, you know, the, the mom and pops are kind of, they're kind of the bread and butter. You know, you get a lot of, some of the, the bigger accounts that are doing the bulk buying and buying the truckloads, they're, they're nice. But the people that you really feel accomplished and the people you really feel like you're benefiting are the ones that every penny that they have to account for out of their budget is a penny that comes out of their pocket. And those are That's the ones correct. that you really feel accomplished when you bring a solution to them. Uh, well, let's 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 shift a little bit here and let's let's bring Copey in. Copey, uh, the last time we talked to you, you were just uh, city alderman uh, discussing uh, the probability of your reelection as a city alderman. And since then, plans have changed, and uh, and I've seen signs, and uh, you're you're on the the ballot now for mayor of Saltillo. So tell us about that, and what motivated you to get in, and uh, let's hear about that.
1: Absolutely. Well, you know what? We're working hard. We're putting out signs, putting out yard signs. You know, Cody, I just I've become a product of witnessing government not work for people, and I'm ready to you know make a change and. You know you know just working and seeing a different lens through a different scope, you know where, whether it was when I was working for law enforcement or own or my own uh, business and working through government with that, I just I've just seen sometimes that that we can do better, that government should be working for the people and not the other way around. So yes, I, I'm running for mayor, really excited about it and you know my most of my campaign is just back to the basics. you know let's open the city hall. Let's open the mayor's office, be accessible to the people. Let's start taking debit cards. Let's start live streaming our board, our uh, city, beat, our city board meetings, so that you can witness how are we spending your money, how are we focusing on your city. Transparency. That's all. You know, that's my big focus, and it's time for the uh, for the government to start listening and working for the people. And uh, so we're excited. We're going to do great things, and uh, we're working it hard. And uh, excited about the race. Well, as you're uh, as you're getting out, and
0: this this is still fairly new. The elections not until April. Uh, but as you're getting out, and and you're talking to your constituents, and you're, and you're talking to the voters, what's what's some of the feedback as far as your platform that you're getting on some of these points that you're running on?
1: Yeah, so I'm getting really good feedback, and you know, usually it's positive because at the end of the day, this is their ideas. Every idea that that I'm running on my campaign, it it came from the citizens. It came from the constituents. So these are, you know, it could be hard to say, but these are not original ideas. I'm listening to the people, and I want to implement their, you know, their vision for Sautila. So, you know, I'm working for them. I'm listening, and I'm working for them. And so feedback's been great. We're working hard, and I always want to be the hardest one running. I want to work the hardest. Because I I can sit here and tell you how hard I'm going to work as mayor, but let me prove it to you. Let me show you in the campaign that I'm going to work the hardest as a campaign, and if elected, I'm going to be also the hardest working mayor.
0: I like that. I like that. So on the point of of working for the people and and listening to the people's voices, a few months ago, uh, Senator McMahon, you actually— you went viral. <laughs> you kind of you blew up off of uh, on, on social media networks based off of uh, some of your constituents and some concerns that were addressed to them. Uh, talk a little bit about uh, some things that you've learned and, and as far as in your tenure as a senator, some, some ways that you have found to represent the voice of, of your constituents and of the people of Mississippi. Uh, and how that's contributed to your success and and some things maybe that you've learned along the way.
2: You know, I'm I'm really excited about what I'm seeing in, in politics. I think we're seeing a new generation interested in politics. I want you to think about something for just a moment, Cody, and for those that are listening. The baby boomers are still involved in politics at this point, and really we're just beginning to see Generation X begin to filtrate into politics. Think about that for a moment. You know, uh, President Trump was a baby boomer. President Biden, he's a baby boomer. We haven't had a Generation X. Uh, We've only had one Generation X president so far, and I believe that was uh, uh, President Obama was a Generation X. I think he's just a little bit older than I am. I'm 49, uh, and and he may be just the tail end of the boomers, but so I'm excited to see that young people are beginning to uh, pay attention to politics, and getting involved in politics. And it's important to remember when you're in government and in politics, Ronald Reagan used to say, you know, never miss the opportunity to get 70% of what you want because you can't get 100% of what you want. And I think sometimes people have lost vision or lost the sight of our entire government was built on a compromise. That's why we have an upper house, the Senate, and a lower house, the House of Representatives. That was a compromise between the big states and the small states. We compromise here in this building every day. I'm willing to compromise on fiscal matters. I'm willing to to compromise on policy. I do not compromise on social issues uh, that go against my Judeo-Christian heritage. And but I do, uh, I do, I do work with both parties with, with, uh, to try to find what's best for the, for the people of Mississippi. And it's important to rep- And it's important to remember. I represent 57,000 people, and I really try to find a center where most people are before I take a vote. So I return every phone call, I return every text message, I return every email. If you live in the Mississippi 6th Senate District, I try to be responsive and listen very close to what the people are asking me to do.
0: Absolutely. And, and I, I, believe, <clears throat> I believe that that's really attributed to the fact that you are one of the most well-known and well-liked representatives that we have in this state. I mean, people oh, really... I mean, and it's true, you know, uh, I go to a lot of places. When I was uh, and, and a lot of uh, our listeners know this from, from previous podcasts, you know, when I, I I got my foot in the door in the in the political realm and I, I traveled with the, the medical marijuana program in the state, one of the things that was always, you know, when I would go to a, a Republican uh, Women's Association meeting or committee meeting or something like that, one of the things that was always brought up to me was they would talk about members, and uh, and and Chad McMahon was always one of the most respected members. Anywhere that I went, that they wanted to make it aware to me that uh, that that you had their respect, you had their support, and uh, and and that that that's a testament to everything that you just said.
2: You're you're kind, Cody. Thank you for your kind words, and congratulations to you. And your team members uh, on your success on that on, on the miracle marijuana bill. Congratulations.
0: Well, thank you. I, I don't feel like I can take a whole lot of congratulations. I I gave my own personal testimony, and, and you know, as, as a disabled veteran uh, in the veteran communities, that was that was kind of the reasoning behind my my involvement. Was I wanted to, to be the voice uh, of those that have that have seen benefits from such programs, and uh, and yeah, by an overwhelming. You know, we had an overwhelming response, and, and it voted, you know, in favor. Uh, people spoke. Massively, and they made it aware that this is a program that, that, they, that they want in the state. But it's like you said, you know, it's, it's, not about, it's not about the government and politics, you know, the people working for the government. It's about the government and, and, and things that we implement representing the people's voices. So, and I, and I thoroughly enjoyed my time, you know, out campaigning and working hand in hand with individuals like yourself, uh, on, on the social issues, the biggest elephant in the room right now on every level of government. And when you talk about city state, you know, municipalities all the way up to the federal government is COVID-19. Uh, from your perspective and where you sit, what do you see on the horizons for the state of Mississippi uh, in response to some of the social issues when you talk about masking and vaccines and you hear all of especially with this new, uh, the new presidency, there's so much up in the air. What do you see from your perspective moving forward and as it relates to COVID-19?
2: Well, first I wanna say that the person I wanted to be president of the United States did not win. But as a Mississippian, I'm encouraging other Mississippians and Americans to support this president and to pray for this president for the betterment of the nation. It is that we need to get behind him and give him an opportunity to govern, not to rule, but to govern. And let's try to give him that opportunity and let's try to work together on the common ground where we can find common ground. I do hope that the president will maintain the Trump tariffs. You know, it's very important in our region, uh, where we live in Mississippi, we're the heaviest industrialized county in the state of Mississippi. And it's very important to me that those trump tariffs remain in place because our furniture factories are booming, our car manufacturers are booming. We're seeing a lot of uh, the military, uh, military manufacturers from around the country are coming to our area. We're seeing a lot of relocation from other plants uh, that are looking seriously at Mississippi. This is not the Mississippi of our great-grandparents. Mississippi is the modern hospitality state. And I want you and your listeners to consider something. In the last 18 months, Google and Amazon have chosen to come to Mississippi and do business in Mississippi because we are the hospitality state and we have the fiscal policies in place to support their businesses. And we're trying to attract companies that are gonna be high paying jobs in Mississippi. Think about who's in Mississippi. Your listeners may not realize, Mississippi is the only state in the country that has a Nissan manufacturing plant and a Toyota manufacturing plant. Think about that, think what that means for us. Uh, We got the 2016 industrial project in the entire country here in in 2016, 2017, which was Continental Tire. We've got great companies like Grainer. We've got great companies like Sutter Street, Max Home, companies like Cooper Tire expanding, General Atomics, Toyota, Our hospital is also, very few people realize it, but the hospital there in Northeast Mississippi in Tupelo is the largest rural hospital in America with 8,800 employees. And their average pay is $56,000. We are poised for greatness in Mississippi. We just have to care about each other, work together, and seize that greatness. And let's pray for the president. Let's pray for the governor. And let's, I encourage people to stop being so ugly to each other we are not enemies. We may be political opponents, but we're not enemies, and we should try to work together where we can for the betterment of our of ourselves and our children and our grandchildren.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And on so on the point of uh, of this county being a, an industrial powerhouse, you know, for the state of Mississippi, uh, Copey Saltillo is at the heart of that. Saltillo is uh, is at the heart of the industrial powerhouse, which is known as Lee County. You know, with all these. Uh, major corporations and industrial manufacturers and things like that, uh, Saltillo is is booming, and Saltillo has got multiple uh, new structures being built to house uh, industrial manufacturing companies and things like that. So, what are your aspirations, and what are things that you look forward to providing uh, as mayor? You know, uh, when elected, as far as bringing and ensuring that this is this is the ideal place to be for any outside entities looking to bring their manufacturing their distribution or anything like that uh, to the city of Saltillo
1: yeah so you know one of the great things uh, when we look at Saltillo and how we want to promote our wonderful city is our school system we have an amazing school system uh, we have low taxes and we virtually have no crime we're really proud of uh, you know no crime and we continue to have a wonderful police department that supports our community. Uh, right now we're looking at the average home in South Tillo around seven percent increase from last year of the home value. Um, we represent a little right at six thousand people in South Tillo and uh, we're proud to announce that the medium income is fifty five thousand dollars in South Tillo. So we have so much to offer. You know when you start looking at uh, virtually no crime, a great school system, and low taxes, I mean that's easy that's an easy sell so we just want to keep promoting Saltillo, uh, you know promoting our town and uh, we have great things to offer
0: yeah absolutely i mean i've i moved to i moved to mississippi in 2015 and i originally when i moved here i was a, a manager for a trucking company and uh, i did that for a while and one of the things that i quickly learned uh, was as i was i originally moved into a, i was a single bachelor young in my early 20s and and i uh, I was living in a one-bedroom apartment, you know, in in Tupelo, and as I started house hunting and, and I found out I was about to be a father, I quickly learned uh, the areas that you wanted to be in the areas that you didn't, and uh, and a guy that I know is 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 a very is a friend of Kopi I'm sure yours as well, Chad, uh, Mr. Wesley Webb, he was my uh, my real estate agent, and he took me around and kind of showed me the ropes of everywhere, and, and he helped me get to Saltillo and and make my first home purchase and things, and. Everything that you just said is exactly why I wanted to be here. Uh, the, the crime, uh, the fact that it's pretty much non-existent, mm-hmm. uh, the school systems and things it's a wonderful town and, and we look forward to uh, continuing to have to have your service you know to our city. Uh, Chad, uh, you got how long are y'all in session for? when is session officially over for you?
2: Mississippi operates on the smallest government model in the country. It's actually called the Mississippi model. Very few people realize that. Uh, We'll be in session in January, February, and March, and we'll be out of session by April 1st. So we we truly are a part-time citizen legislature. We'll come in, we'll do the people's business, and we'll go home to our private sector jobs. This year, last year, we actually finished up the longest session in the history of Mississippi because of COVID, we kept having to take recess and break and come back, and uh, but this year we hope that that we're not going to have that happen. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that the efforts of Donald uh, President Trump, he was able to do warp speed to get the vaccines out. Uh, we're going to have plenty of vaccines here in Mississippi. We've already are begun dispensing those. The governor Governor Reeves has a plan and has to begun dispensing those. Uh, we're doing about 10,000 a day is my understanding. I have not had the vaccine. I'm not going to take the vaccine until the vast majority of Mississippians have had the vaccine uh, because I don't want to take it from someone else that may really need it. Uh, but we are going to get the vaccines out, but I'm hoping that we're going to be finished with session by April 1st, according to our constitution.
0: Okay, so so during this session and, and with everything that you just said taken into, into account, as far as you know, the actions and, and the, uh, the timeline that transpired in 2020 with the recesses and everything, what, what, is, what does the agenda look like uh, for the Senate you know, during this time of session? What are some of the biggest things that we can look forward to being presented up for vote that you guys are trying to move forward for the state of Mississippi during this time of session?
2: Well, first I would like to say, I believe that elections are important. It's called election day, not election month. We voted last year not to have mail-in voting in Mississippi. Uh, you can have absentee voting in Mississippi, and then you can vote on election day. Uh, I believe we will have to defeat uh, we will have to defeat measures this year from the uh, opposing political party uh, that's going to try to have mail-in voting. I'm going to oppose that. So sometimes it's not just what you can pass; it's what you can kill. Also, uh, some things that I'm for that I think will get done is uh, I've been working with the cities of Saltillo, Duntown and Baldwin over the past four years. We have looked at a unified sewer system to keep the costs down for our citizens and to have the capacity to, to continue to grow in our area. Uh, we've been very successful bringing home almost uh, $3 million for that. And we'll plan on getting another 2 million for that program this year. Every dollar that I can work to bring home for it's it's a dollar that we don't have to charge the local folks uh on their property taxes and sales tax so i'm happy about that uh as far as the state you know some of the other things that i think that are going to be important we're going to have to do something uh with taxation i'm willing to entertain eliminating the income tax in the state of mississippi uh i want to do that to make us more competitive with the surrounding areas and actually The CDF, our Community Development Foundation, that's important to them as well. That's one of the goals that we would like to eliminate the income tax. Uh, I think we're gonna have to do something with the ABC distribution. A lot of the small independent uh, uh, liquor stores have called me and said they can't get product. We've got some problems there. Uh, We've had hearings on that. Uh, We're gonna continue to expand broadband. I'm proud of the work we did last year. We put a laptop or an electric device Uh, uh, in in the hands of every single Mississippi student. Man, we were the first in the country to send a a laptop or an electronic device uh, for learning in every school child's hands in the state of Mississippi. I'm proud of that. We're continuing to expand broadband. Uh, There'll be some other things that are important. Um, I've got a series of bond bills that I'm looking at, but. I'm also looking at a cash bill. I think it's important that people can continue to use their cash at retail businesses. We can. That's really not a two-minute conversation. That's a. That's an entire conversation. But uh, we're going to work hard and take care of the people's business this session.
0: Yeah, and and I like that. I like those points. Those are all very very respectable points. I'd like to. I'd like to dive into one, uh, one of the points that you made, just to get your perspective on it, because it's such. It's a social issue, and it's such a divided issue uh, on about the election, and that's that's the mail-in ballots. So, yes, so your stance on the mail-in ballots is that is that you you do oppose it, uh, ex- yes, in, except for in the uh, circumstance of absentee voting. And so, one of the things. It's well, Cody,
2: hold, okay, hold oh, on. Ahead. Let me let me restate that. I support absentee voting because you have to show your ID to absentee vote. I also support. Uh, showing an ID or some form of residence on election day. Now I do support mail-in voting for our soldiers who are serving overseas or for anyone that's working in official government capacity. So if while you are a veteran, what what branch are you in Cody? Navy. Okay, while you're in the Navy, if you're a resident of Mississippi but you're serving overseas during an election year, I absolutely support you having the right for mail-in voting. You're serving the nation and the state you should have a right to mail-in vote. But mass mail-in voting, I do not support because we don't know who's voting. We don't. There's no ID. There's no one to check any signatures. And so, you know, I want every legal and qualified vote in Mississippi to count. But okay. we need to know who's voting, and we need to be sure that it's a qualified Mississippian who's voting and okay. not someone that's either in the graveyard or someone that lives in another state. It needs to be a Mississippian.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and, and and I don't disagree with that. And i I would hope it would be my hope and prayer that that there would not be many people that do disagree with that. Uh, and and as far as the argument against that would be uh, this COVID nineteen. And uh, I my own personal belief is that there's a lot of exaggerated policies and there's a lot of exaggerated fluff out there surrounding the actual impact that COVID-19 has had on the United States. And that's just my opinion there. That's, you know, neither here nor there. But one of the things that is, you know, irrefutable is the fact that there is a part of our population, uh, the older, the, the, the more frail, the more susceptible yes, that that do have a legitimate fear as far as the repercussions of exposing themselves to the virus, contracting the virus, There's been uh, some close personal friends, um, uh, uh, even some some business partners that that are customers, clients that I've done business with uh, that have uh, unfortunately lost their life. Uh, There's a a local business owner in Tupelo, uh, uh, the guy Clay who owns the house, uh, Clay's House of Pig, the local barbecue shop, who is currently uh, in the hospital fighting for his life uh, due to complications from COVID-19. So I think that one of one of the biggest arguments from the other side is that what about that that part of the population? What about the individuals, the, the elderly, the sickly that are at a detriment? You know, it would be detrimental for them to go out and expose themselves. And they have kept themselves in seclusion for protecting their own health. But they still want to have the opportunity and the right to be able to vote. Uh, what would your response to them be on that on that aspect?
2: There's, they can vote absentee, they can go down to the county clerk and vote absentee. It's a three week window to vote before election day. They go down, they show their proper identification, and they have they can vote.
0: Okay, uh, so they for can someone, mask
2: up, they can wear rubber gloves, but uh, so that's you know, that's my position.
0: So, from someone for someone like me who I, I, I really and I'm sure I'm not the only one, but. I really didn't know the difference, the actual technical differences in the ins and outs of absentee voting and mail-in voting. So can what you just explained is absentee. What's the difference between that and what we're hearing widely referred to as mail-in voting?
2: Mail-in voting is where county clerks just send out ballots to anybody and everybody. Then they mail them back in. You don't know who got the ballot. I mean, a lot of times, Cody, let's say, You used to live in an apartment. Now you live in a home. Well, the ballot may have gone to the apartment. You didn't vote, but someone filled out that form. Somebody filled out your ballot and sent it back in in your name. Well, you didn't vote. Someone else voted, and they may not have been a qualified voter. I'm for secure and fair elections in this nation and in this state as long as it's a qualified US citizen or a Mississippi resident that's doing the voting. I'm for that. And I do want to say this about COVID. My wife and I survived COVID. I've personally known 37 people that have died from COVID. 5,000 Mississippians are dead from COVID. That's a fact. And I do want to be sensitive to those families that lost their loved ones. It's been a terrible, a terrible 2020 year and I'm hoping that 2021 is going to be kinder to us. I'm sorry, I'm thinking about those that some of my dear friends I, uh, that I've lost. But uh, we still have to go on and live with our lives. Uh, I think it's an individual. Individuals need to be careful about, I, my wife and I have no idea where we, where we contracted COVID. We, my wife hadn't left the house. For the most part, since March, I keep my hands washed and i keep my face covered and yet i still contracted it but we did survive it by the grace of god so i asked mississippians to be careful to t- to practice good hygiene follow the advice of the cdc and you know as christians i'm a i'm a christian i'm a follower of jesus you know we're supposed to obey those in authority we're supposed to do that and I, I try to follow whatever the governor asks us to do. I try to do whatever the governor, so so that I can be obedient to 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 my Savior. And uh, I, so, but I do think some of the policies have been overblown in some ways. But just like the mail-in voting, I, I don't think mail-in voting should have t- should have happened the way it did.
0: It definitely leaves a lot of gray area. Uh, for individuals that would choose to do so to take advantage of the system. And I agree with That's that. And, and unfortunately, we live in a day and time where we do have a lot of people that if there is an opportunity for them to take advantage of something to what they perceive as their benefit, they will do so. So it's it's absolutely understandable that that is an area where we would want to be cautious. And, you know correct. so I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Kopi, uh, back to you so first 90 days mayor of saltillo prioritize to us what you see bringing in a you know you've talked very often about you know the fact that you are a younger candidate and you want to bring some youth into the, the city as the mayor so talk to us a little bit about what your first 90 days looks like and and some things that we could look forward to as Kobe grantham as mayor of South and who knows, you may move on to governor and president or anything from there, but talk to us about where your heart lies and some, some things that you look forward to implementing in your first 90 days.
1: Well, let's imagine the first day, 7 a.m., we're going to unlock the City Hall. Right now, it's locked down because of COVID and other reasons, but we're going to unlock the City Hall. We're going to require masks. We're going to require social distancing, and we're going to abide by the seat, you know, all the rules and guidelines, but we're going to open up the city hall and make it accessible to the people. We're also going to take down the door and open up my mayor's office. I think that uh, the mayor should always be accessible to the people and work for the people. Uh, so that's what you would see within a couple hours is we've opened up the city hall, we're providing hand sanitizer, we're providing masks, but we're open for business. We're open for you. How can we progress this city forward? Uh, day one, meeting with the department heads. I want to I want us to know that everybody's on the same page, so I'm going to call them Monday morning huddles. At 7 a.m., I want every department head to meet in my office. Let's talk about, guys, what did we complete last week? What is our mission for the day? And what are we going to have accomplished by this Friday? So accountability. So um you would definitely see those on day one Uh, and just being hardworking and open up the city hall and getting ready to see how we can progress our city forward.
0: So one of the reasons why I wanted, you know, when, when Senator McMahon agreed to, to come and do the show and I wanted to bring you on is because one of the things for individuals like myself that we may not be privy to is the relationship as it, you know, pertains to uh, the relationship between local municipalities, cities, and state level policies and things like that. So one of the, one of the things I would like to know is as far as with, with, when you set these objections, you set the goals uh, for the city and the things that you wanna do as mayor, uh, what's the relationship like between a mayor and, and a local representative like your senator uh, as far as making sure that you have state support in in support of what the local municipalities and the cities want. Uh, Mr. McMahon, what, what are some things that, that you know personally that you've been involved with uh, as far as, you know, maybe it's Guntown or Tupelo or Saltillo as far as the voice of this constituents within the city had something that they needed state support on or they needed a higher level of representation that you were able to help with. And then... Uh, Copy as well as you, what are some things that you would be looking for uh, as far as reaching out on state level, as far as maybe it would be uh, support for small businesses, recovery from COVID, things like that. Just kind of explain the relationship between state level, the senators, and the local elected officials like the mayor. Uh, Mr. McMahon, go ahead.
2: So I'm going to give you some examples. 2016, uh, City of Tupelo asked us to get $750,000 to help build and complete the construction of the Vietnam Memorial Wall replica uh, out at Veterans Park. Mission accomplished. We got that done. Uh, I got a phone call two weeks ago. We need a sign on the U.S. 22 corridor saying Vietnam Memorial Wall replica. Got that done last week. Uh, The sign's not up, but the goal is to have it up. Uh, The goal is to have it up the weekend before Memorial Day. Baldwin last year needed uh, $50,000 for some improvements to their Veterans Park. Got that, took care of it, no problem. Uh, Guntown, this year I will be writing legislation by request of the Board of Aldermen and the mayor's office at Guntown. They would like to create a golf cart district. So they wanna have golf cart and side-by-sides on the roads in Guntown. So we'll get them the authority and then the local mayor and the local board will decide what streets are going to be designated for golf carts. There in Saltillo, we're working on two major things right now. One of those, uh, Alderman Grantham's been heavily involved in, we're looking at safety features on 145 from Saltillo on 145 back to Tupelo where Academy Sports comes in. We're looking at some red lights there at the Dollar General, some red lights maybe at the intersection of the industrial park. We're looking at striping that highway to keep people from passing we're having too many wrecks on that area so alderman grantham asked me to look at that i brought the highway commissioner in and we toured that area on the same hand the local board the current board and the current mayor asked me to look at creating legislation for them this year that will allow the city to take over the park at uh lake lamar bruce there at saltillo that's a state fishing lake so the board and the mayor asked me to create legislation to let them come in and be partners with the Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries and Parks. So that Wildlife, Fisheries and Parks will still own the property, but the city of Saltillo will be the operator. They think they can make money out of it. They think they can get the beach back open. They think that they can run the concessions. They think they can get the campground improved and make it a bigger attraction for the city. So I don't do anything down here, Cody. There's no eye in government. And I don't do anything here that I'm not talking with the other representatives and the boards and the mayors and almost everything I do here, it's because the county board of supervisors has asked me to do it. Or the boards in each city or the mayors in the city have asked me to act. So I, I, I'm their conduit. I'm their voice here. And like I said, I'm here to represent the people and to be available. I know that was a long answer, but I wanted to give you some really good examples of some things we're working on and accomplishing together.
0: No, yeah, no, and I, I'm, I'm glad that you did. I appreciate you taking the time to uh, to provide those examples uh, because those of us that are not heavily involved in the same level as you guys are is a lot of it, you know, we just see things happen. We don't really know the mechanics of it. We don't really know what led up to it actually happening, and, and that's a lot of the Lake Lamar Bruce thing that's got me excited because I feel like Lake Lamar Bruce is just kind of, not living up to the potential of what it could be. Right. So I would love... Cody, when I was a kid,
2: we used to go, we used to travel to Saltillo, and we would go up there and swim all day on Saturdays in, in, in the lake. And they had a concession stand, and some people would do a slip and slide. And I mean, people would boat and kayak and canoe out there. That lake, you're right, that is a wonderful asset right there in the heart of Lee County. That we could utilize. And look, I'll I'll do the same thing for the city of Tupelo as well. If they want, if they call and say, hey, we'd like to take over the operation of Elvis Presley Lake, or we'd like to take over the operation of Tom Bigby. Same type, I'm here to do whatever the board's asked me to do. And I am working on some things for the County Board of Supervisors of Lee County right now. We're looking for a funding mechanism for a new jail. And we don't know what that's gonna be, but we're gonna come up with something uh, to help create a new a new uh, jail there in Lee County and other projects as well, not just a jail, but we need a new jail. Ours is currently bursting at the seams and I communicate regularly with the sheriff of Lee County and the sheriff of Womba County, listening closely to what their needs are and working for them here.
0: Yeah, I agree with all of those points wholeheartedly. Copy, outside of uh, the specific examples uh, listed by Senator McMahon, uh, are there any other uh, Saltillo issues or anything that's on your horizon that you would be looking you know, at, at cooperation and, and bringing forth uh, to Mr. McMahon and, and, and trying to get representation on a state level uh, as far as moving this city forward and bringing about some change uh, where we would actually need a uh, senator's voice at the state level to, to help us with?
1: Yeah, so just to echo, you know, we're working on a safety project on highway, highway 145, which just happens to be the most dangerous street in Saltilla. So we've got that moving, but we, we can also look at, you know, the county, the county level. You know, in Saltilla, we have a $7.5 million budget a year, which might sound a lot, but it's not when you start looking at municipalities and, and city governments, 7.5 million millions not that much money. So, I know just in the last year, I reached out to our county supervisor, Mike Smith. He's been really instrumental in helping us when we fall short of, of, of tax revenue. So, what we did was we went to the Grove subdivision in South Tillo and we just worked out a deal. You know, uh, we didn't have enough funds to secure this. So, what we decided to do was with the Board of Supervisors, uh, we decided that, look, South Hill about the materials that the county would provide uh, the manpower and all the mechanics that needs to do it all the you know the bulldozers everything that you need to build a new road they use that and, and they used all their manpower and then we just bought the materials so when you start looking at a successful town you know you have to think regional you have to have good relationships with your supervisors, what your House of Rep, you know House of Representatives, and your state senators, all those just build a great community. You know, you cannot do this by by yourself, and it's just it's great to have a great team around you. So we've been lucky to have such a great supervisor to not just look out for the county, but but the city's needs. So that's just another example of working together and working with different elected officials for the common goal of your city.
0: Uh, I agree. I agree with that. So, and 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 along those lines, when it comes to the city alderman, you've put in your tenure as a city alderman. Yes, mm-hmm. you've had you've had the experiences, and and you've brought forth things. Uh, as elected mayor, what are some things that you would be looking for in your city alderman and the people that you're going to be working around you? What are what are some qualities that you would really hope to have alongside you to help bring forth some of this change? And some of these, uh, these, the platform that you're running on.
1: So n- number one is we have to stop these mailbox surprises on our utility rates. So I would really like to start concentrating more and working more alongside our department heads. They know where the issues are in Saltillo. They know where the problem areas are. We don't always have to hire an engineer or a large corporation to come into our town and tell us what our problems are. So day one, I'd really start to, you know, let's look at our own problems. Let's solve our own issues. And then if we come across a, a project that needs engineers, then we'll absolutely we'll call them. They serve a purpose, but they don't need to be in our town at, you know, once a week doing projects. So, you know, let's let's look at our own problems. Let's solve our own problems that we know that we can fix first. And and later on, if there's bigger projects, we'll call them. But day one, let's let's not reach out to so many engineers all the time. Let's, let's fix the issues that we know where the problems are. Let's listen to our department heads. Our department heads know more about our city than any contractor in Jackson, any contractor in Memphis. So back to the basics. Let's let our guys solve our problems.
0: Absolutely. And uh, Senator McMahon, uh, from, from your perspective, you know, as a representative of you know, these, these cities like Guntown and Saltillo and Tupelo, it's an election cycle. So, so what, what are some things that you're hopeful uh, about and things that you're looking for as far as qualities and perspectives from some of the uh, incoming newly elected officials? We know for a fact Tupelo is going to have a new mayor. So what are some things that you're hopeful that you're going to receive from some of these local elected officials as far as representing these small towns and these cities and these municipalities that you also represent at a higher level?
2: Well, I meet, with the, I meet with the city council and the mayor in Tupelo on a regular basis. I meet with all of the mayors that I represent. I represent four great cities, Tupelo, Saltillo, Guntown and Baldwin, Mississippi. So I meet with them, I listen to their needs. I also meet with their police chiefs. Uh, I am working on something this year for law enforcement in our region. Uh, if you uh, we're working on enhanced penalties, if you block roadways or streets, uh, if you're protesting, you're not properly permitted Look, people have a right to protest, but you have to have a permit and you don't have a right to block traffic. We're gonna have enhanced penalties this year for that. Uh, $1,500 fine and 25 days in jail if you do it. Currently, it's just a misdemeanor. So that's something I'm working on. That was brought to me by the police chief of Tupelo. But uh, I do not act without, without the uh, consent or without the request of the local boards. Uh, as far as the new mayor, whoever the new mayor is gonna be in Tupelo, I'm gonna work with whoever the people choose to elect. And so uh, this year, all the city councilmen will be on the ballot as well as 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 well as Tupelo and I do have some goals for them. Uh, they've given me some goals to work on this year, but I'm not in a position to share those at this time other than uh, I am working on something for the police chiefs.
0: Awesome. Well, listen, gentlemen. We're coming up on a on the end of the show. I just want to take an opportunity first to say thank you both for being here. I've thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. I know I have learned uh, a lot, and so and I believe that uh, that a lot of our listeners have as well. So, first of all, thank you both for coming on and, and talking to us and sharing. You have a unique insights. You know, I mean, both of you hold very unique positions, not only in government but in your private lives and and that's what this show is about, is, is taking and bringing forward stories of success and how individuals found themselves to where they are and, uh, and just sharing that insight. Uh, so I just want to take an opportunity, and we'll, we'll go first with, uh, with you, Mr. McMahon, as just some closing words, just anything you want to close out with, and then uh, we'll wrap this up.
2: Sure. I, I want to say to all Mississippians and to Americans, our best days are ahead of us not behind us, our best days are ahead of us. Let's look for areas where we can find common ground, economic activity, uh, transportation issues. Uh, let's work together for the betterment of our school systems, for public education. Um, I, do say, I do wanna say this to all of those that are listening or watching this, I do wanna say a blessing over you, an Old Testament, Many times the leaders would say blessings over the people. So uh, God bless you, May God bless your families. May God bless this nation. May he show his arm to be strong to us. And uh, you know, may he prosper us and and may we have abundance in this nation. And Cody, thank you for your service to this nation and the United States Navy. My grandfather also was in the Navy. He fought the empire of Japan in World War II on the Pacific Ocean. I'm grateful for your service. Thank you to all of the men and women who are serving uh, in the military. Thank you for your service. To the police officers and to our first responders that are standing on a thin blue line around all of our communities and counties, thank you. I know that at any day, at any time your life is in jeopardy and uh, to maintain and hold the line and keep the peace. And thank you for your service.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. All right. Kopey, final words, final thoughts for us.
1: So let's think about the switching of powers. You know, we're rotating presidents. It just reminds me that true, true power does not belong at the White House in Washington, D.C. And true power does not belong behind the granite walls at our state capitol here in Mississippi. But true, true power belongs in our Lord Jesus Christ, and we just always remain that. There's, always con- there's nothing constant but change, so we must embrace it, do the best that we can, and just grateful to be here. I'm grateful for the opportunity that I have been. I know I personally have fell short of many times of God's glory, and I've always landed back on my feet. Stay humble and uh, always have the, the passion. Wherever your passion takes you, let that be where you are in business with, and it's always led to me great things. I appreciate the opportunity to be here. We're glad to have you in the city of Sautilla. And uh, I would just have to ask for your vote on April 6th for Kofi Grantham as mayor. You got mine. You got
0: mine. I got to go get my fiance registered, though, I'm pretty sure. We got to get her registered, but uh, you absolutely got mine. So, Uh, gentlemen.
2: Well played, Alderman Grantham. Well played. Thank
0: you, Senator. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. Well, thank you both very much for being on. I appreciate both of y'all coming and taking the time to, uh, to speak with me and our listeners. And I would like to thank all of our listeners for, uh, for uh, tuning in and listening. And if you're not subscribed to follow the podcast, please be sure to subscribe and follow the Busy Dad podcast. That's B-U-S-I-D-A-D. Our website's busydad.com, where you can check out and find a link to these podcasts as well as it's on all major platforms. And uh, so subscribe to follow us, keep up with new episodes. We do uh, interviews with individuals all over the world, honestly. So uh, anyway, thanks to y'all for tuning in. Check out BusyDad.com, buy some merch. And until next time, we'll talk to y'all later.
1: See ya. Cheers. Thank you.